0: Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America NA co trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight from the left, the right, and the center over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Rockettes join me shortly. Along with Roast and Toast, our topics this week, as the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, there's talk about the Royals moving downtown. There's another move to put the Kansas City Police Department under local control. A new director tries to find the right beat for the Jazz Museum. And the American Royal heads to Wyandotte County. And that's where we start with our Newsmaker segment. The American Royal has been part of Kansas City life since the late 1800s. The Royal features livestock shows, horse shows, pro rodeos, and is perhaps best known for its World Series of Barbecue. The Royal is undergoing change. It's moving from the west bottoms of Kansas City, Missouri to Kansas City, Kansas and West Wandot County near the NASCAR Speedway. To talk about the American Royal, its past and its future, is American Royal Association CEO, Glenn Allen Phillips. Mr. Phillips, welcome to Ruckus, thank you for coming in. Thank you, thank you for being here. You've been in this job, I think, for about a year. Talk about your background and the path that uh, has put you on to get here to the American Royal.
2: Well, Yes, sir, Um, uh, April will be a year since I have uh, joined the American Royal, but I have uh, just a little over 20 years experience in the Stock Show Rodeo Fair business. Uh, First began with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and then spent the previous 19 years with San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo.
1: But you had had some experience at the American Royal, did yes. you not?
2: yes i had uh... uh... previously uh, when i was in graduate school i coached the collegiate livestock judging teams so i competed at the american royal and then also served as an instructor and coach of teams that competed and uh... we were the proud winners of the collegiate livestock judging contest in nineteen ninety seven
1: i outlined some of the reasons people know about the american royal in the introduction but there's more to it than that and i was, I was glancing at your website and I saw a listing of uh, the reasons for the American Rail and why it exists. And let me put one of those on the screen and read it to you, and you can elaborate after that. Sure. This is described as the purpose of the Royal. We provide opportunities for agricultural competitive learning, educational experiences, and scholarships that inspire and cultivate dreams pretty yes, sir. lofty
2: goals there yes sir it is yes sir it is well we are uh we are a non-profit and uh not not uh, everyone realizes that we are a non-501c3 3 nonprofit organization uh, we're here to promote agriculture we're here to develop the youth uh, of the country uh, all through the development of uh, our youth and, th- and through agriculture itself And so uh, we do that through our competitive programming, uh, whether it be a judging contest, a livestock show competition, a rodeo, or our World Series of Barbecue competition as well. Uh, But at the same time, we're here to promote agriculture and, and, uh, and the Midwest and Kansas City.
1: And you have activities going on year-round.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, we are about 14 weeks out of the year currently in the current facilities. When we move to the new facilities, we will be year-round, and we talk 365 days.
1: It was kind of a stunning event a couple, three years ago, when the Royal announced it was leaving Kansas City, Missouri, to go to Kansas City, Kansas. It was a battle over a new building. I understand all that. We won't go into the background. But, but what progress is being made on the move from Missouri to Kansas?
2: We are uh, uh, currently, we have submitted our design plans uh, for the new facility. And uh, so our goal is to break ground in, uh, oh, probably summertime that we'll break ground on the new facilities. Um, I think the relationship with both Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas is strong. Uh, The American Royal is centered in Kansas City. And to us, that is on both sides of the state. But it's what's both sides of the state line, it's what's good for the Kansas City region and what's good for agriculture. Well, you've
1: got a very prime location in Kansas City, Kansas and in Metro Kansas City. Correct. Out near the NASCAR track in the Legends area.
2: Yes, sir. We're excited about that move out there. We think that is a, uh, a great location for us. Many of our events uh, which are agriculture related, uh, the access off and on the interstates, the yeah. ability to get there, pulling trailers, uh, things like that, are really gonna uh, open up and, and give provide more opportunity for our uh, constituents.
1: We're down to about 30 seconds, so if you can answer this quickly. Uh, do we tend to forget in urban areas how important agriculture is to Kansas City and to the United States?
2: Yes, sir, we, we truly do. Uh, Kansas City agriculture is a major economic driver. It, it's major uh, economy within the United States. Um, and if you really look at things within our foreign trade, it gives us the ability to have quite a bit of influence in the world. Mr.
1: Phillips, thank you very much for coming in. Pleasure to meet you. We look forward to greeting you out in Kansas City, Kansas in the future. Thank you. That is Glenn Allen Phillips. He is CEO of the American Royal Association. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Dave Trobert is CEO of the Kansas Policy Institute. Mary Ann Murray Simons is a freelance writer and consultant. Patrick McInerney is a former prosecutor and now in private practice at Spencer Fain. And Alana Ratley is a former official of the Kansas Republican Party. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for joining us. We're not going to talk about impeachment. We're not going to talk about the Iowa presidential campaign for the Democrats. The counting may still be continuing, not sure. We're going to talk about some local issues, so let's get started. The celebrations continue as Kansas Citians revel in the first Chiefs Super Bowl win in 50 years. Excitement about the team? Thank you. Uh, It's future, and Patrick Mahomes' unique talent is front and center. But now we have to change the subject. Football season is over, and the approach of spring training is a reminder that baseball is still a large part of the local sports scene. Kansas City Royals' new ownership group, headed by John Sherman, seems interested in something that has been talked about for decades, downtown baseball. Now, for that to happen, we would need a stadium somewhere, somewhere to put it, and some means to pay for it. A local architectural firm, Pendulum, just offered a vivid demonstration of what a downtown baseball stadium might look like and where it could be located. There are still lingering concerns, the most persistent of which are these. How much will it cost and who's going to pay for it? So let's start with that. Do you think Kansas City taxpayers are ready to pay for a new stadium downtown? We'll start with Dave.
3: I don't think so, Mike. I think uh, people are fed up with uh, local and state government giving taxpayer money away to a handful of select developers and businesses. Uh, if, if the new owners want a downtown baseball stadium, then let them pay for it.
1: Would you uh, think the city would pay part of it if the new ownership paid a lot of it?
3: I imagine the city would want to pay part of it. The city officials are always in both states. They're, they're very willing to spend other people's money. But this is not something that the taxpayers should have to pay for. Patrick, I bet you're a supporter of downtown baseball.
4: I bet I am. Uh, what would be the advantage of it? Why, why do we need it? Baseball is. I'm trying not to channel James Earl Jones here, but um, ba- I mean, baseball is inherently. I don't in- think that's a danger, <laughs> right? Don't worry about that. It's an inherently urban game, right? And uh, the cities that have Major League Baseball teams have taken their 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 baseball operations, and I say operations, I mean not just the park, but the surrounding circumstances, and they've planted them downtown. That move's been going on since 1992, when Baltimore built Camden Yards. I mean, they integrated it right into the city. And that's that's where it belongs. And I think if you look to St. Louis and look at that model, <clears throat> they did Ballpark Village, which was not just the park, but it was residential and it was retail and it was kind of a its whole its own package for downtown. And that's worked tremendously well in St. Louis and in Pittsburgh and in Cleveland.
1: Marianne, I know you're a big sports fan, and yes. certainly your family is. Uh, are you in favor of downtown baseball? Absolutely.
0: I understood that timing was not right the last time we tried to discuss downtown baseball, although there was lots of momentum. I believe that the time is right now, and how it gets paid for, no one knows. We don't know if it would be a taxpayer-funded kind of thing. It could be a land swap kind of situation. Patrick's absolutely right, bringing the peripheral development that comes with a baseball park would be extremely important to downtown Kansas City, and I frankly am a big proponent of the riverfront as a potential site, as opposed to East Village.
3: But Dave, haven't we already done a lot for downtown Kansas City? There has been a lot done for downtown Kansas City, and 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 I'm not opposed to there being downtown baseball, uh, but it, it's a if you you're if, opposed to paying for it. I, I, I think the, if the owners want to do it, then they should pay for it you know, it, there's no question that certain, whatever the development is, whether it's baseball or a new hotel or a power and light district, those things generally just shift economic activity from one part of the city to another. So it gets presented as, wouldn't this be great for downtown? Well, at perhaps, but at the uh, at the, the cost of someone else in town. And some that's other kind of the, of the neighborhood. essence
1: of the economic development war. You move it over here. And you move that over there, but
3: the jobs remain the same. Th- that's it. You, yeah. you really, you're just squashing the balloon.
1: Alana, at a time we're celebrating the Kansas City Chiefs and the victory in the Super Bowl. Is this the right time to talk about moving the baseball team downtown? What happens to the Chiefs?
5: You know, I think a lot of people like having the stadiums where, it is, where they are now because they're together and people like that is a hometown feel. The other thing I would worry about is if you move it downtown, tailgating is a huge you know draw for both the chiefs and the royals and i think if you move that downtown you're taking that piece away from it too my biggest issue is again is how is it going to be paid for i don't think we need to push anything uh, more onto the people and i think dave is right in that you know a lot of politicians are fine spending other people's money
1: uh, i think patrick it's 11 years or so before the right. lease that well, the, lease up, the yeah. sports complex is up Would you think we'd see downtown baseball before the
4: expiration of the lease? I would think so. I mean, I think planning-wise, now's the time. Mm -hmm. If if it's going to happen, I think you've got to start – Putting plans together and talking about locations and and, fi- and talking about financing and maybe you know maybe it's time to be really creative with the financing and think about a bi-state financing model. Maybe it's you know it's time to think a little bit differently than just the Kansas City because what we know is that because we live where we live that benefit bleeds all over to Kansas and to all these municipalities. So I think everybody should be at the table on that. Mm-hmm. Takes a long time to build something, as KCI has taught us
1: True. and the Lowe's Hotel downtown. If we're going to have downtown baseball. I guess now is the time to start so. planning for it, are right. Whenever and wherever jazz is discussed, Kansas City is sure to be mentioned and in meaningful ways. There's a style called Kansas City Jazz developed here in the 1920s and 30s, and Kansas City is home to the American Jazz Museum at 18th and Vine. Given the city's historic connection to jazz, the museum should be a huge success. Sadly, it is not. According to KCUR's Steve Kraske, who recently talked with new museum director Rashida Phillips, there are serious issues facing the museum and the city. They are financial, structural, and stylistic. A consultant report has called for a complete rethinking of the Jazz Museum, including the possibility of closing. And Kraske points out that even though the 18th and Vine area is generally considered to be safe, some suburbanites are still nervous about traveling there. The museum opened in 1997. Should closing it now be seriously considered? We'll start with Marianne, Ann, then Alana.
0: Not closing it,
1: but I think How about it's, closing it for a time and rethinking it?
0: Maybe. It's time to face the music, I think, Mike. That's really so what this is, <laughs> this is about. This is about really reevaluating the organization around the Jazz Museum. I think uh, according to the study that was recently done and released, they need to just step back, take a look at their operations, take a look at their appeal, where they're located, and how they move forward. You're absolutely right. This is important to the history of Kansas City. Where it's located um, needs to be carefully considered not because suburbanites are afraid to come into the 18th and Vine district, but where can it be linked to other attractions in the metropolitan area that might really attract national attention as well as local participation. But
1: if you take it away from 18th and Vine, doesn't that kind of destroy the concept? That's where the music began. That's I where under, the group's I understand assembled.
0: that, but that does not mean that necessarily that's the right location for it.
1: Alana, what do you think about this idea of closing it permanently or closing it for a while and studying the possibilities?
5: I don't think it needs to be closed permanently yet at this point. I don't think we have enough information to determine that. I think, um, you know, it is a point that um, people, it's not the best location for people to go to. I certainly don't think suburbanites are afraid. You know, as a suburbanite myself, if I'm going somewhere at night, it's regarding a child's activity. Have you
1: ever been to the Jazz Museum? I have.
5: Yeah, I've taken my children before. Um, and, you know, a lot of schools do field trips and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I do think there's an allure there. It needs to be promoted uh, perhaps to different groups, though.
1: But, Patrick, if you go there once, why would you go back? It doesn't change, does it?
4: Well, I mean, ideally they'd have new exhibitions and different exhibits, and they do kind of the what, what uh, you know, the Nelson does with, you know, a traveling exhibit or whatever. It, it, one of the real shames about this deal is that it sits right next to A a gigantic success with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum Mm -hmm. and that uh, totally different models but it's it's such a shame that that kind of heritage really shines on one level and then they've stumbled continuously uh, why can't they connect the two Uh, buy a ticket to one go to the other I mean I I think that's a good idea but if you're running the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum right now I I think you'd have to think hard about doing that
1: well Dave, if there were downtown baseball 18th and Vine
3: wouldn't be far from where the stadium would be would that be the thing that helps uh, the Jazz Museum? I, I don't think so, Mike. Uh, the first time I was at the Jazz Museum, and I'm a huge jazz fan, uh, I kept saying, is this it? Yeah. Where, where, Th- it's really not. Is that all there is? There's not I, much there. Mm. It's As not the that good song the Museum. museum. Right. So it doesn't matter where you put it or what you charge. There's just not much there to see, unfortunately. It's should the there be management. live music? Should, should there be live music there?
0: Absolutely. And yes. the Blue Room but, but, is a
3: I, great...
4: I do afford that. But, I th- yeah, I mean, don't get ahead of yourself, right? I think structurally and the governance model uh, has to be looked at. I and agree. May, and, you know, I think the consultants are are spot on. If the city's going to have a stake in this, the city gets to say, all right, here's, here's the path forward for you guys. Uh, and it starts with structure and it starts with governance. Well, they've tried uh, various
1: forms of leadership at the Jazz Museum. For a while, the board contained some of the city council members, and Mm -hmm. that didn't seem to work. So they keep changing that, and the city keeps putting lots and lots of money into it. I remember interviewing the first director of the Jazz Museum when it opened, and she said, this will be self-supporting in
4: 10 years. It's been at least 20 years, and it's still not at all self-supporting. Right, Right. and there's a model for these things. I mean, this is not... Uh, you know something brand new there's a model for operating a museum like that and i don't know what it is because it's not <laughs> what i do and city council members god bless them they don't know it either so if it's going to be a professional operation then i think you look to other models like that in the country that are successful
1: mm-hmm. maybe additional attractions in 18th and vine i know the negro baseball league is, museum is there but what else is there is there anything else to go visit blue room well, yeah, Blue Room is part, part room's of the Jazz of yeah. Museum. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: They're, they're going to have to seriously up their game on, on the programming uh, and, and have a, a much more robust uh, uh, exhibit, uh, bringing in the rotating new exhibits, uh, having live music there more frequently. But um, you have to give people a reason to want to go. Well, when it
1: opened, I remember that you could park your car at Crown Center, for example, and ride a bus to the Jazz District, and then when you were ready to go back, board the bus, go back to Crown Center. I think if you had something like that, but I understand how costly that is and how impossible it would be to set that system into existence. I
4: I don't buy into the location issue, I really don't, because the the Negro Leagues Museum, again, is such a giant success. People make their way there because it's a destination... Uh, Not too of many place. people make their and trip there. And it's a great museum. It's a great museum. Oh, yeah. It's well curated. And, I mean, uh, the, you know, you get... You know a, about the Jazz Museum now? I'm talking no, about the Negro Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's fantastic. And you got a guy like, like Bob Kendrick right. at the top. So, I mean, he maybe, is, maybe that's the answer. A spokesperson... Make Bob do it. Right. Well, <laughs> somebody who's
1: dynamic, gets out in public, promotes oh, no the Jazz no Museum. No Rashida Phillips, I believe is the name.
4: She's a jazz singer. So yeah. maybe she the person who could... Put a face to the Jazz Museum. I mean, she's obviously got talent, and maybe she is the, the front face. But, again, you've got to be really intentional about running a museum behind that. We'll have to invite her to be a guest on Rick's. Yeah, Let
0: and her sing. Give her, yeah, some, there you go. Give
1: <laughs> her some guidance. Uh, one of the new members of the Kansas City, Missouri City Council <clears throat> is concerned about a not-so-new topic, local versus state control of the police department. Councilwoman Melissa Robinson wants the council to study the pros and cons of the two structures. STATE CONTROL TOOK EFFECT 80 YEARS AGO IN REACTION TO LOCAL CORRUPTION DURING THE PENDERGAST ERA. THE GOVERNOR APPOINTS FOUR OF THE FIVE POLICE BOARD COMMISSIONERS. THE MAYOR IS THE FIFTH. FORTUITOUSLY, ONE OF OUR PANELISTS THIS WEEK IS A FORMER MEMBER AND A FORMER PRESIDENT OF THE KANSAS CITY MISSOURI POLICE BOARD. SO PATRICK, DO WE NEED A CHANGE FROM STATE TO LOCAL CONTROL? IF SO, WHY? IF NOT, WHY NOT?
4: I THINK YOU NEED TO CHANGE IT IF IT'S BROKEN and it's all about that conversation, whether it's broken right now. Unfortunately, part of the perception, I think Councilwoman Robinson does too much to feed this, is that this is a solution to violent crime. This is gonna have an impact on homicides, homicide clearance, violent crime, uh, et cetera. I can tell you as I sit here, whichever way this goes, even if the city says, let's move into local control, it will not have an impact whatsoever on violent crime. The question to ask is, is there a deficiency, and is, is, is there a problem with the model that doesn't seem to be working? This model works. This is, the, this is the only large, the only major city police department in the country that hasn't been under a consent decree with the Justice Department, that hasn't had upper-level corruption, that hasn't had uh, mismanagement. Uh, I mean, it's, this model works. And I can tell you from personal experience, you know how many calls I got from anybody in Jeff City when I was police commissioner? Zero. A- absolutely not. I mean there was the, the selection process was the only thing that the Governor was involved with. I spoke to him, I appeared before the Senate, and that's the last time I heard anybody. In Jeff City, talk to me about the police. Well, board. what would be the process if it were to change? Would it have to be done by the state government? Well, we could take the St. Louis model. That that was a uh, an initiative petition, um, and then it went to a statewide vote. In fact, Kansas City got to vote on whether St. Louis was returned to local control. Um, you could have a statute change. Uh, oh. Chapter 84 is the statute that says that the police board in Kansas City is operated in this manner. I've always thought I was
1: in favor of local control, and I might be, but. Uh, the argument that it's not local now is not really true. The people who serve on the board are local Kansas Cityans.
3: It is, and and really, this is this is just about uh, which politicians uh, get to be in charge. There, uh, if if the people pushing local control have some suggestions on how things should be done differently if they were in charge well then let's put those out on the table but they're they're not talking about anything they'd do differently if they have them then then share them with the commission i agree well, with
4: pat i i kind of disagree with you dave because it's not politicians who are in charge now the a politician certainly makes the appointment but again there's just not any control yeah. reaching from Jeff City into that police right. department.
3: Right. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant that it's the local politicians are the ones who are pushing this. And it's not about making something better. It's just about who gets to be in charge. Uh, so let's let's focus on what the outcomes would be, what the solutions would be. If they can make it better, then come forward with that. But don't just make it an argument about local control.
1: Uh, Mary Ann, Councilwoman Robinson, says previous board members have not lived in areas where high crime problems exist. She said they lived in Brookside and Plaza. Does she make a good point with that?
0: No. I, uh, I agree with Patrick. That's not the issue. Crime is an issue that Kansas City obviously has to think about and needs to deal with separately from the police board. Location of where board members sit, uh, I think, is sort of like the city council. You have to sort of mix it up Mm -hmm. in order to
5: have representation. But, but Alana, if you
1: live in a high crime area and you're Mm -hmm. on the board, wouldn't you be more cognizant of those problems and perhaps have a better way of dealing with them?
5: You might be more cognizant of it. I don't know if it means that you're necessarily having a better way to deal with it. And I think the area needs to be represented by all the parts of Kansas City, not just one particular area.
1: Well, how do you assure that with, with four people? Well, the, the system...
4: I mean, the mayor is an ex-official member. Sure. Whoever is mayor is on the board. The process used to be, when, when the appointments came up, there are four major state senatorial districts that, right. that are in Kansas City. It used to rotate. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, each senatorial district was represented. I don't know if they've gotten away from that now or not, but when I was on the board, I mean, we had a very representative board and no. d- uh, in terms of diversity, in terms of geography, in terms of political view. Who appointed you? Governor Nixon. Okay. Now it is time to go to the soapbox for roast and
1: toast, where the Ruckheads have 30 seconds each to vitiate, castigate, or
3: obviate. And we begin with Dave. Thanks, Mike. A toast to the students and staff at Olathe Northwest High and Sumner Academy in the Kansas City, Kansas School District. Their high school students earned a B on Kansas Policy Institute's A through F school grading report and they did better than all other high schools in Johnson and Wyandotte counties. Mm. Go to kansaspolicy.org for the complete results. Alana.
5: I'd like to toast the Kansas Senate for passing the Value Them Both amendment. A recent court ruling has cleared the way for an unlimited abortion industry where teens could have abortions without parental knowledge and your tax dollars would be used to pay for abortions up to the moment of birth. The Valium Both Amendment restores the people's right to regulate the abortion industry. Will the Kansas House have the same wisdom as they debate this today?
0: Well, we'll find out. Marianne? Shame on radio station KCXL of Liberty, Missouri for recently signing a $324,000 multi-year deal to carry Radio Sputnik programming. This radio group owns three stations, all of which air the broadcasts that promote Russian interests in the United States. Really? The Federal Communications Commission should do its duty and look into this potentially dangerous red flag waving over the heartland.
1: Stay tuned for Mikhail Shanine's program. Uh,
4: Patrick. Uh, so we just won the Super Bowl, by the way. Yay. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I can't believe anybody else didn't cover this, um, the Chiefs, but Brett Veach. Um, I, what, a, what a tremendous asset to the team, to the city. And, I mean, what remarkable talent in picking out a, a kid that was uh, – Uh, not really heralded all that much and and making, uh, building a team around him. So uh, absolutely. And I also have to toast um, uh, Senator Romney uh, for his speech and his conscience and his deliberation on uh, probably the most difficult question he'll face.
1: And finally, uh, presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg doesn't have many funny lines in his campaign speeches, but he did have one the other day designed to irritate the president. Bloomberg said he understands that people have trouble with the idea of two New York billionaires running against each other for the presidency. And then Bloomberg added, so who is the other one? (laughs) And that's ruckus for this week. We are back next Thursday at 7. Now for the ruckets and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching and good night.